from St. Paul, 2nd letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, what befell me at Antioch, at Iconon, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceivers and deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Peace be to you, the reader. St. Luke, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. The Lord said this parable, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Peace be to you who proclaims the good tidings. last week to substitute for the high school Sunday school class. And as we were chatting, I mentioned that this week was the publican and the Pharisee and that Great Lent was going to be starting. And almost every one of them emitted a groan or a head hanging. And 
So I thought that I would um, dedicate and perhaps aim my homily today to you young people. You, you older people, or young at heart, will maybe get something from it too. So if I look at you young people, and by young people I mean um, high school and maybe middle school and even beyond college and well, anybody maybe without a spouse or children, people who are young, people perhaps have a little bit less responsibility. Now, when you all hung your heads and maybe thought as Lent was approaching, oh no, I I get it. It is a difficult season. And when you were kids, you just tagged along with your parents. And it was fine. We're going to church more. It's family time. Oh goody, great Lent. And as you get a little older, you start listening to the sermons and the teachings and and you realize that they keep talking about this journey that we're going on and how we're getting ready for this great journey. And you're like, why are we doing this again? I mean, didn't we just do this last year? And it is important to kind of get a sense of why we are doing this. What are we doing this for? What is the benefit? And maybe you all know it here, but it's, it's difficult to take that knowledge and bring it down here. St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians that he prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. And may we have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what it's really all about. To be filled with the fullness of God. To try to comprehend the amazing love of Christ displayed on the cross and the glorious third day resurrection which results in our salvation. To try to wrap our heads around this, this is a big deal because we can't do it and we can barely do it if we really take the time to prepare ourselves, to sort of clean out the clutter, to make room for being filled with the love of Christ. Now you've heard that Zacchaeus several weeks ago was about packing our bags with desire, with zeal, with readiness. And the Canaanite woman told us we have to have perseverance, diligence, and faith. And now the publican today is presented to us as an icon of humility. And we know we need humility. Now we know all these things. And we look at this icon of this gospel reading today. And we have two two people lifted up for us. One, the Pharisee, who would, for the Jews who are hearing this story, been uh, an image for them of holiness someone who was to look up to. 
And his behavior, illustrated in this parable, casts some doubts about whether this person is really worthy of looking up to. And the publican, who is a tax collector and was one of the despised of the Jewish people because he essentially worked and collected taxes for the Romans, the oppressors, the occupiers. He is presented as one who is justified. And we struggle to find ourselves in this icon. We don't really fit the image of the publican. You know, we're not beating our breasts and beating ourselves up. And, well, certainly we aren't prideful. Everybody else is, but I'm not. And so these parables for us sometimes go in one ear and out the other because we can't find a place for them to rest. We can't find a point to connect them to our lives. And we do need to look closely. The publican, obviously, is set up as the good guy. And the Pharisee in the story is set up to be the bad guy in the story. And yet, when we're honest about this, we probably look a lot more like the Pharisee. We are sort of the bad guy in this story. And we know that we really ought to be like that publican. The publican doesn't say anything. Except, God, be merciful to me. He doesn't confess his sins. He just said, says to God, Forgive me. Have mercy on me. One of the hymns of the trio, the Undern Orthros today, is a small amplification of what was in his mind. It says, Open unto me, O giver of life, the gates of repentance. For early in the morning my spirit seeks thy holy temple, bearing a temple of the bearing the temple of my body all defiled but in thy compassion cleanse it by thy loving kindness and mercy the publican's not beating himself up he knows when he compares himself to god he knows the relationship with who god has created him to be he knows that he has fallen short and he says but i know that you and your mercy long to save me you in your tender, loving kindness are reaching out to me as I humble myself before you. So we know that we're supposed to be humble. So we're all going to go home and put be humble on our to-do list if we make to-do lists. We know that this Lenten period is a time of intensified repentance. And like I said, for many of us young people, These words, repentance and humility, they don't find parts of our conversation every day with our friends at school or in college or in the world or in our jobs. And sometimes we don't really know how to define these. So what do we mean when we say this season of repentance? This season of repentance is merely a turning toward God. And if we are turning toward God, is there something we're turning away from? And the publican, in his example of humility, points out what what we're turning away from. And what we're turning away from is ourselves. 
pride can be defined as self-love. Now, of all of the sins that we confess, of all of the passions that we notice in our lives, they're all sort of twisted versions of of a God-given desire, a God-given appetite that we have. Pride, says C.S. Lewis and some of the fathers, comes straight from hell. Pride is the devil, is what made the devil the devil, and it's the devil's principal tool for getting us to sin, for twisting us and talking to us and telling us, no, you're not prideful. Now, in this age of self-esteem, the spirit of this age tells us that, no, it's not pride. It's just good, healthy self-esteem. And yet we see this played out in others. We recognize pride in other people, but we don't recognize it really in ourselves. And yet, how hard it is for us to admit a mistake, even to ourselves, let alone to other people. How shall we put aside this pride? This pride that many might define as something other than the church defines it. Are we not supposed to be proud of our accomplishments? If I practice really hard and play really well in a basketball game, should I not be proud if I have a good game? Yes, we should. And maybe the word that we're using, proud, isn't really the word we should be using. We should maybe be pleased. We should be happy. And when our child accomplishes something for hard work, is it okay for us to be proud of our children? Well, of course it is. That's not the pride we're talking about. We're talking about that self-centeredness that places ourselves above everyone else. How then shall we acquire humility? Father Alexander Schmemann says that the way that we acquire humility is to contemplate Christ. Because Christ is our example of humility. He shows us by his entire life and his being what humility really is. And he wants to give us himself. He wants to know us. At the last judgment, some will be told, depart from me for I never knew you. And what that really means is you never knew me because if you knew me, I would know you. We have not taken what he has offered himself to us. St. Peter says to us in his epistle, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I found a beautiful quote by St. John of Kronstadt. Forgive me if it seems like I'm jumping around here. But this beautiful quote can maybe help us. It says, The purer, the more humble the heart, the larger it is, and the more able it is to find room within it for love. The more humble the heart, 
the larger it is and the more we can find room for love of others and for God. But self-love, he goes on, contracts the heart. And the heart becomes small and there is less room in there for love for others and for God. So that when we examine our lives for pride, for self-centeredness, we can examine the life of Christ and what He has done for us and emulate His humility. And for you young people, this is very, very difficult. We talk about things like self-centeredness and thinking less about oneself. But for a person who is in school, working on grades or in sports, trying to excel in sports, they have no children, they have no spouse, perhaps they have no job. What else are we going to think about? What else are we going to think about? And this is a great challenge for you all. Because the time in in the United States especially, the time of life from high school through college seems to be designed to be the most self-centered time of your life. Who else are you supposed to think about but yourself? And so the cure for this, because we recognize that this self-centeredness that places our own agendas and our own thoughts and our own perspectives above others is not going to help us grow close to Christ. If our life is only about ourselves... It is too small. And there's no room in it for God. C.S. Lewis once told a story, a metaphor, so to speak, of meeting a person who really was humble. And if you met that person, it wouldn't be perhaps a person beating their breast or telling you how worthless they are the humble person would most likely be a person who you noticed was paying very close attention to what you said. They weren't thinking about themselves. They certainly weren't thinking about being humble. They were thinking about you. And this is what our Lord wants us to be. He wants us to repent of our pride. We are all guilty of this most penetrating and sneaky of sins. So how do we repent of this? This pride, this mother of all sins. Perhaps at the end of the day we can just ask ourselves some questions. At the end of the day we're tired and thinking about the day and our sins and repentance is not usually high on our priority list over getting our heads on our pillows. But perhaps we could stand before an icon or maybe ourselves in the mirror as we brush our teeth and ask ourselves questions. Have I criticized anyone today? Have I been talking about myself a lot? Or have I been paying attention to others? Have I made excuses for myself today? Have I tried to make myself look better than I am to others today? Have I failed to love someone because I was too busy, preoccupied with my own life? Was I so busy that I forgot to pray for the people that I know that I wish to pray for? 
Have I been so busy satisfying my own needs, my own desires, that I didn't even notice the needs or desires of those around me? I think on most days, most of us would say that we have had troubles in these areas. So as we contemplate this icon, as we think about humility and what we most need to progress in our repentance, may remember the publican and the Pharisee. And most of all, remember Christ. That if we are humbling ourselves, we are expanding our hearts. We are making room for Christ. We are making room for one another. And we're making room for salvation in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.